Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back. Another episode of Dentists Who Invest podcast. We've got a very special guest with us tonight. The caliber of guests that we've had on the show so far, I actually feel really fortunate. And I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but as I've already said in the previous podcast, I just really enjoy meeting these people just to hear what they have to say, because every single time I do it, I learn something. So hopefully everybody watching feels the same to me. You may have seen her on the group already. She's popped up a few times. I've already done the promo for this. She's a lovely lady. I just became acquainted with her within the last week. She runs two businesses. These two businesses help and assist us dentists run our dental practice practices to the highest possible standard. The first one is called Practices Made Perfect. The second one is called the Exceptional, Exceptional Leadership Academy. Just to just to keep everybody in the loop, off screen, Nikki, off camera, Nikki has had to tell me twice what this is called already. And it's not because it's complicated. It just won't stay in my head. I don't know. EMA, call it EMA. It's so much simpler. <laughs> we might have to stick to the ELA going forward. ELA. It's totally yeah, my that's fault. It's not that there's a complex name. It just keeps going out of my head. I don't know why. Anyway, the guest that we've got on today is Nikki Rowland. Pleasure to meet you once again. Nikki, how are you this evening? Thank you for having me on, James. Yeah, lovely to meet you. And I'm very well, thank you. Smashing. You had a good day. Busy. Yeah, busy, 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 but that's how I like it. Oh, I see. Good to be busy, they say, don't they? It is. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I'm actually between jobs at the minute. So I suppose you could say it's unemployed or fun employed, depending on how you look at it. But I, I, am, <laughs> I am beginning to go back. Uh, well, I am going to go back to work in uh, middle of January. I've got a new job lined up, which is going to be fun. But you know what? I'm not... What are you going to be doing, James? Oh, still dentistry. Still dentistry. dentistry. Yeah, just a different practice. I had to take some time off to recover for some knee surgery. You see, I don't know. If I'm uh, okay. Yet, but uh, I needed like an extended period of time, and um, yeah, I've since moved to another practice in that time. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be weird picking up a drill again. Tell you what, I've barely yeah because I had. I haven't really properly done it since about March time. I had like a brief cameo back in practice. So yeah, this year has just been crazy. But I know that, uh, you know, it hasn't been easy for anybody, but it's certainly been a weird one for me. Like, my life has totally changed. But it's given me the time. Pardon? Yeah, a strange year for everybody, I think. Wacky. And I think it's been the, the year that has passed by the quickest in my lifetime. It has just zoomed by. And it's just a blur, complete yeah. blur. Yeah, it's been a weird one. It's been a weird one. I mean, just when I, uh, you, you know, you just think that um, everything's plodding along nicely and you've just got to that level where you're comfortable and then something like this comes along, completely unprecedented, bit of a crazy one. But hopefully, good news in the, on the uh, radio today that I heard, we've got a vaccine that's <laughs> due to be released in two weeks. No, is it next week? Even as soon as next week. Yeah, next week. That's a quick turnaround. Tell you what, tell you what. Crazy. Although I don't know if anybody's, many people are too keen to sign up to the vaccine. That's another story, isn't it? Yeah, 
that's the other side, isn't it? I think a lot of people are tentatively waiting to see what happens if there's any side effects, what happens to the people who do have it, uh, you know, have the vaccine. So, yeah, I think people are being a bit cautious. Imagine if you survived COVID and then the vaccine got you. That would be truly a dreadful story. Oh, my gosh. Imagine, that. imagine <laughs> that. I don't even want to think about that. Wow. That would be, that would be incredibly, uh, well... I don't know. I don't know what what word can we describe that as. It's not. It's not ironic, is it? Maybe it is ironic. I don't. Yeah, I think it's ironic. Save yourself, but you've done the opposite. Anyway, we'll save the vaccine conspiracies for another day. Let's keep it strictly on topic and enough waffling from me. I'm okay. going to let you do some talking now. You'll all be pleased to know, Nikki. I'd love you to tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your journey into dentistry for those who don't know, because you aren't a dentist yourself, if I'm correct in saying that. I'm that's absolutely right. Now, I, I qualified back in 1992 as a chartered state-registered physiotherapist. Oh, wow. Um, but my area of special interest was head and neck oncology, so I used to work with Max Fax teams. So that was sort of my introduction to dental dentists, if you like. Yeah, uh, definitely. But, yeah, it was, it was a world – it's a harrowing world to work in, is head and neck oncology. Um but I loved it. And along the way, met a dentist through my best friend, who's also a dentist, and, uh, and, and ended up getting married to a dentist. And we'd had, just had baby number two just before the agenda for change came in in 2006. And my husband at the time didn't condone where he was working. And he, and he basically just wanted to set up his own business. So... Um, he, and he said, yeah, I'm going to set up my own business and I want you to manage it. And I'm like, Gary, I'm a physiotherapist. I've got a baby and a toddler at home. The timing couldn't be worse for me. I'm not getting a wink of sleep and I don't know anything about dentistry. So anyway, we did it. And it was a steep learning curve. As you can imagine, it was an insane time. Um, we, we acquired the property in the November and we opened up as a squat practice in the February. So Christmas didn't happen. Nothing really happened. It's Child just the girls were little. And they don't remember. Um, but yeah, it was an insane time. And I'd never run a business either. But I did it all on the hoof. And it was all common sense. But actually, we doubled turnover in, in a three-year period. Um, and, and that model I now take into businesses and other dental practices to help them grow their business and use the same formula. Nice. Wow. Well, that's quite the metric. Double in turnover in three years. Yeah, I'm sure I know. any practice would be happy with that. Well done. Hats off. Man. Absolutely. And, you know, again, being inexperienced in business, it's like, you know, you start to really analyze and look back at what you've done well, what mistakes you've made. And actually, I think when you've done things at the grassroots, you can actually talk from heart and you can actually talk from experience to people and, and be authentic about it. Because I think there's, there's a lot of consultants who've never actually lived and breathed dentistry but work in the world. And I'm not saying that they're not brilliant at what they do, but I think having a thorough understanding at the grassroots it is so important as well. Well, it's always going to give you more insight, isn't it? And empathy, it's so definitely on that one. And since then, you've now, you no longer manage a practice per se day in day out but you do run some consultancy agencies on that concept or mm-hmm. you know on that topic isn't it would you like to tell us some more about that yeah so it, it, there's a bit of a crossover 
when we still owned the practice. But essentially, because of what we'd achieved, um, we, we, we won a lot of awards, not just within dentistry, um, but we won the National Training Awards for the Small Employer. Um, so that, that was a massive thing, which drew a lot of attention, media attention to us. And I started getting invited to do speaker slots at conferences, at exhibitions, invited to be a consultant for partners in the dental world, like Practice Plan. Um, I do a lot of work with a lot of organizations within the dental world as well. So my business sort of grew organically from there and it was all word of mouth. And then across COVID, like everybody else, I've had to think about reinventing myself because obviously I can't go into practice every day as I was before. So um, I partnered with a guy called Andy McLaughlin. He's a brilliant guy. Trust him with my life. And uh, yeah, shout out, Andy. <laughs> and he's he worked in the world of sales, HR, in the corporate sectors. So he brings a massive amount of value to the table Whereas obviously my background's dentistry, business and compliance. Cool. And what has kept you in the game for so long, Nikki? Because you're not like I us. love it. You're not like <laughs> us dentists. You're not shackled to our career in the sense that we've, well, we've spent all this time studying it. We, we kind of really don't know how to do anything else. You're a lady of many trades. You could go off and do anything. What keeps you in dentistry? Ooh, um, because I love it. And I yeah. love being able to help people. Um, and I think one of the biggest motivational things that I've done is something similar to you, James. At the beginning of COVID, I had lots of clients ringing me up, asking me questions about COVID and what was going to happen and what we should be doing. And at that point, it was all up in the air. We really had no direction from the CDO. It was so vague. You know, we were all just going around in circles. So um, I'm very fortunate to have an, an, an enormous, fantastic network of professionals and experts in the dental world that I know. So I was tapping into those experts and feeding back the answers to individual clients, which was so time consuming. And I thought, this is crazy. There must be thousands of dental practices out there who need the same answers. So um, I would say probably about a year ago, I set up this group, Leadership and Dentistry, that you can see in the background. Um, and I had about five friends because <laughs> I'd done nothing with it. But what I thought was, what, what if I do podcasts like this? And I upload them onto the Facebook group and I, st and I start really driving the group forwards. And within a few months, I've got 5,000 members. Hey, so that's, pretty imp that's really <laughs> impressive. Whoa. <laughs> it's a bit mind-blowing, really, to think. And, and there's people still asking to join. It's a private group. But, you know, I think because I've been talking to the people at the grassroots, like John Mill, Jason Wong, um, Eddie Crouch, you know, some really amazing people who, yeah, they don't have all the answers still, but they're closer to the answers than anybody else, you know. So uh, I think try it's trying to keep people informed. Oh. at that level but it's also helping people in a practical way as they're having issues in practice whether that is with the SOP or team members or whatever it might be so on a Wednesday we do a little jump the hump and today I did I did it this week and I talked about the transitional monitoring approach that CQC has just introduced to dental practices so I talked about that 
and then on a Friday, Andy and I just sort of tend to pick up with a topic. I think we did recruitment last week and recruiting the right people into your business. Um, so we just cover off practice management, compliance, HR stuff. So it's it's not particularly a clinical group, but I'm hoping it fills the gap that is there um, from that point of view to help dentists and their, their teams. Cool, nice. Spirit of an entrepreneur, you've had to reinvent yourself through a few times. I really like that. Zero to 5,000 in two months, three months. Real quick, guys, I've put together a special report for dentists entitled The Seven Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes That Dentists Make Whenever It Comes to Their Finances. Most of the time, dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened. And that is the purpose of this report. You can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistuinvest.com forward slash podcast report, or alternatively, you can download it using the link in the description. This report details these seven most common issues. However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Uh, well, I, said, I really sort of picked up speed with the group in April. And I would say by October, so, you know, six months 5,000 members. Oh, mine went from zero to 2,100 as of today. And I was pretty pleased with that. So that's blowing that out of the water. Tell you what, tell you what, I think that um, when people see value on a group, they, they, they flock towards it. You know, you it kind of, mine sort of went viral really because a few people shared it on a few of the big dental groups. So I got lucky. It's almost like you don't even really have to promote it. If people see that there's something worthwhile gaining on it. So you're, angle on that one will be your practices made perfect and your ethos and your will and your drive and your determination to improve these practices as much as you can so wonderful really 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 interesting that's why i wanted to get nikki on the show actually because a happy dental practice is a profitable dental practice and it all relates to the game of finance doesn't it so it's all tied in nicely so i thought who more qualified to speak on the matter than nikki who's seen 100 million dental practices in her life she does it for a living and yeah, anyway, on that note, I want to know a little bit more about that. I've done a lot of waffling tonight. Let's do a little bit less of that. Let's hear what Nikki has to say. <laughs> so my very first question is, Nikki, a lot of people who are listening will know this already, but what are what is a comprehensive list of all the governing bodies in terms of regula- regulation that we have to be conscious of as dentists? I'm sure everybody listening... Most people who run a dental practice will know this by now, but I personally think it would be helpful for a lot of associates to know this so that going forward, should they plan to make their own practice, they'll have this information ready to go. And within that, within those bodies as well, that do determine what we can and can't do, can you just give a brief description of what each one specifically caters for or governs as well? That would be lovely. Right. Okay. Um, Gosh, we could be I mean, I think for me, James, the ones that I know most about really is CQC and um, the ICO. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we, we've got other organisations like uh, the GDC, FGDP. We've got nice guidelines. Um, we, we've got MHRA. We've got so many wow. government bodies and, and, and bodies that regulators 
you, you could you could just go completely crazy thinking about it all. But I think for me, in my world, it is it is the majority of the time is about CQC and how the ICO and GDPR sort of fit into compliance now. So um, I would say those are always top of my list because that's what I understand. That's what I do day to day. Um, but obviously, we've got to be mindful of all that other, you know, that, that all the arrows in the quiver of, of legislation and compliance as well. Yeah. It's essentially the governance in your business. And as I've sort of progressed through my, um, my career in dentistry, all I can say is that everything that we call practice management years ago is really rolled into compliance. So practice management and compliance are indistinguishable, really. So even when we're talking about finance, CQC want to see that we're sustainable in the future, particularly if you've got an NHS contract. So they will have a look at the finances. They will have a look at your contingency plans if, if you're in an adverse situation as we are now. Or, you know, if you have a, flood, a fire or a flood or whatever it might be, they want to see evidence that you're going to be sustainable in the future. Um, but essentially, CQC is there to ask five main questions, which is a key lines of inquiry, Chloe's, KLOE's, you hear them called all sorts of things. But essentially, when they walk through the door, they want to know, are you safe, effective, caring, responsive and well-led? And pre-COVID, the research that CQC um, published showed that the majority of failings in dental practices is around the well-led key line of inquiry. So roughly about a fifth of practices have issues with well-led, which is leadership management and governance systems. And then they're saying that there's a demonstrable link between the leadership and the well-led element of a business and safety issues. So moving forwards even more than ever within our COVID world, safety issues are paramount but that is totally underpinned by the well-led element so when I'm talking about the transitional monitoring approach that I mentioned earlier that's what they're really drilling down into at the moment. Broadly speaking would you say that that's where most dental practices run afoul of regulations that may or may not necessitate them to temporarily close is it that one that you just mentioned already what are the what are the top five i don't know something like that yeah i would say that the the two main ones that i see and i hear when i go into consulting businesses is issues within cqc inspections whether it's any of those key lines of inquiry um and the the cqc wanting more evidence and potentially saying they're going to come back and do a focused inspection. So it, it's really drilling down into the nitty gritty and the fine detail of how you run your business. And it is about the fine detail. I think the other thing I see is in and around complaints handling, you know, quite a lot of complaints getting escalated to, to the GDC um, and, and dentists having to deal with those kind of um, issues. Or more recently, a, a lovely practice, and they go to the MT. They had an ex-employee who actually um, took the previous owner to the GDC, and it was a completely unfair, unsubstantiated um, claim. But he still had to jump through all the hoops 
to prove that he was innocent. And just the stress, the it, it was just horrible for him. So I see those kind of issues. Um, but for me, that's, you know, as, as a professional person, we shouldn't be undermining each other. You know, for me, it's a working collaboratively. We should be, you know, there's power working together. And I think very much moving forwards, we need to work with a collaborative approach rather than a, a competitive backbiting, you know, in, in that kind of nature. That's fighting dirty, isn't it? I'll tell you what. It is fighting dirty. That's and fighting you, dirty. you sort of see those kind of things happening. And, you know, you don't want to retaliate because that's, you're going to be as bad as the other person. But letting people get away with that kind of thing, again, I, I just think that's unjustified. And they have to do due process, of course, when that gets elevated exactly. at that point. They so have to go through the due process. Sounds like he or she may have knew what they were doing there. But anyway, mm-hmm. never mind, never mind. Yes. When you you obviously see a lot of dental practices, you know, you do this day in, day out. Why is it, in your opinion, that you think that maintaining a team, a great team ethos, a great team spirit with clearly defined leadership roles is so important? Oh, gosh, I could talk to you all day. We've got plenty of time to fill. (laughs) Um, Oh, where to start? I think I'm going to give you an analogy, really. I look at any dental practice as a vehicle on a journey. And that journey is a road to success. And you can define that in whatever way you want. Finances, your reputation, your purpose, whatever it might be. And in the engine, in in the vehicle, you've got your engine. And the cogs in the engine are your team members. And they all need to know which way to turn, how quickly to turn, to mesh together to drive that vehicle forward. If you get one of those cogs grinding to a halt or slowing down, it impacts on all the other cogs around it. And it's exactly the same in your team. And for me, what I learned on the hoop, as I said, is if you invest in your team, that my, my belief is you don't build a business, you build your team and they will build your business for you. And that is my absolute belief. And that is the model that I take into dental practices. So it goes all the way back to the recruitment phase. And I think historically, what I've seen, and, I, and I'm guilty of this as well, when I first started recruiting team members, I used to have a job description and recruit on knowledge and skills. Now, what I've learned since then, there's been a lot of re- research from Harvard University, and they looked at the top 100 businesses across the world and why they were so successful. And, you know, why they were in that top 100 list. And when they looked at the reason for the success, it was down to the people. And when they drilled down even further, it was about the attitudes and behaviours of each individual in that business. So I started thinking very differently about how I was supporting practices to recruit team members. So for me, it is about the knowledge and the skills, but 55% of the overall success of a business is down to the attitudes of the individuals in that business. So I always advise now that you recruit on knowledge, skills, and attitudes and behaviors, because that is the larger part. Um, And that you really get to know somebody uh, before you you actually sign them up and recruit them, and that you have a rigorous three-month probationary period and induction period 
before you really make a decision about whether you're going to keep that person in your business. That is a new paradigm to the narrative that we, well, we would, you know, traditionally associate with hiring people. And it makes total sense as well. It makes total sense. Attitude is so much. It's, uh, you can have, you can be the brightest person, you can be the best, but if your attitude is not in the right place, you're never going to contribute or fulfill your potential. So I'm completely on board with that. That leads really nicely on to the next thing I wanted to ask about, actually. When you are in a practice and you're advising someone on how to build the best team, is it as simple as we just get a whole lot of people who have a really can-do positive attitude, we throw them all together and special things happen, or do you have some sort of system or structure that you might say, okay, I want... Have you heard of the DISC? All the different personalities. So you've got the, I can't remember off the top of my head, you've got direct, you've got the passive people, you've got the, um, there's the other ones as well, the technical person and then the outgoing person. Is there like a sweet spot that we have to have so many of these characters in our practice, something along those lines? Or is it just as simple as, like I said, we just get as many positive uh, people with a great attitude in there all at the same time? Or is it more nuanced than that? That's my question to you. Yeah, um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because we're going to have an array of personalities. And when you're recruiting on those three things, you can't necessarily see what kind of character that they're going to have moving forwards. Um, and that develops over time You get as you get to know people, as you do with anybody. Um, and I, you're talking about DISC, but I, the way that I talk about it is a little bit politically incorrect. I, call, I talk about TIGGERS. Okay. who come bounding in full of energy they're the ideas person they throw all the ideas around and then bound out again and leave everybody else to to implement <laughs> so great having tiggers because they are full of enthusiasm and motive you know the motivational inspirational but their start is not necessarily finishes oh i got you i got yeah. you so they're kind I of like the the outgoing people on the disc thing maybe yeah so they're the passive active i would say right right fair enough sorry the active Sorry, the active positive, I would say. It is active positive. Now, you can get your active passive. So I call those your umpalumpers, And they are the mainstay of your business. I would say 60% of people are the umpalumpers who come in, really committed to the business, get stuck in, head down, and do the do day after day after day. I think the downside with an umpalumper, they're, they're very hardworking, they're committed to the business, but they don't like change. So I think that's the difficulty at the moment because there's so much change going on at the moment that our umpalumpers feel a little bit uncomfortable um, and, you know, slow to take on the new stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I then talk about BMWs. So any apologies to anybody who owns a BMW, but they bitch, they moan, and they whinge. <laughs> this, is, this is your person. You're walking down the corridor, and if you're not in a good place, you dive into the nearest doorway because you really don't want to have a conversation with them because that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a barrage of stuff coming at you. So, yeah, they can be hard work, but I think the, they're the ones that sometimes have the golden nuggets. And, you know, when, it, when you need to make time to listen to those people because they often do have a lot of the answers that need to be implemented into the practice. So they can be hard work but they can have a lot of, of solutions because they're, they're still doing the doing. The people that you want to avoid are what I call the eels. 
They come into work with a little black cloud on a string every day and they have a problem for every solution. Oh my gosh, I had one of those. And she was the grenade in the mix. I see, yeah. And she set the tone all the day, every morning in the practice. So you just had to look at her face and you knew knew what the how the day was going to play out. I think I can, all, the I can hardest to all these manage. I can relate to all of these. I'm sure lots of people listening can. So avoid the Eeyores at all costs. And if I'm right, oh the Oompa Loompas, the Tiggers and the BMWs. You want a good, nice little mix of those. A nice little mix. You want a core of Oompa Loompas. You want a few Tiggers who are, are, you know, building up the energy and creating that positive vortex in the business. You certainly don't want any eels. That is why it's so important to recruit and look at attitudes because they're the ones that have got the attitudes that are awful and you can't shift them. You know what? I'm really glad I asked that question. That was really interesting. And it's something I never would have thought about. I just thought I would have been in the camp where I thought, right, we get all these really great, enthusiastic people and you know that's a winning formula but there's a little bit more nuance to that and i can totally see how that might work the tiggers would get in each other's hair because they all want the kind of the limelight effectively yeah fair enough i like that i really like that and, and I, th- I think as a manager a principal dentist a practice manager who i whoever you are in the management team you need to have the skills and the flexibility to flex and bend and pivot at any moment to get the best out of each individual personality that you have in the practice. So you need to be the character that can actually fit and meet the need, listen and and have that attentive listening and occasionally an empathetic ear to, so you are really getting the best out of each team member. That's and really that's, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for that. But, you know, sometimes you've got to go through all those four boxes and be all those four things in one day to match what the other person's doing and, and how they're behaving. I can imagine. That's why it's so tough, right, to be a practice mm-hmm, Absolutely. I'm sure. I, I actually do have a formula Go that on, I take into businesses. Let's hear that. Uh, okay. And this is the formula that, what, that I've sort of just drawn up a picture in my mind, really, um, that I used, and it wasn't a tangible thing. I think it was just using my common sense and, this is what drove our business forward. And it starts with your purpose at the top. So you can think of it like a little flow chart. So it's your purpose. And when I talk about purpose, it goes back to, I think we're moving into a brand new era of authenticity where we really have to demonstrate our integrity to our patients, to our staff, and absolutely deliver what we say on the tin. I really do. And that's your purpose. Um, and it's what people say about your business, what they say about your practice, how you show up in the world. And for me, my purpose is, is almost my strap line, and it's emotion-led dentistry, injecting life into practice or back, you know, life back into practice by bringing in new methods and different ways of thinking to really mix it up and, and, and really get everybody moving in the same direction and, and having a common focus. So your purpose is key, and it's actually getting people to buy into the purpose when you're recruiting them as well. Do they have the same mindset? How are they going to fit with the culture? What do they think of the company culture? Is it it something that they really resonates with them in the first instance? So there's all of that. 
that I cover off in the recruitment process. It's then looking at a loose business plan, but more, more than that for me, it's setting objectives for the business. What are you going to achieve? And you can have objectives. I, I use smart objectives. Some consultants use KPIs, key performance indicators. But essentially, you can set them around finance, staff, compliance, any area of work. And for me, it's sharing those business objectives with the team. So they absolutely know the direction that the business is being driven in. And then part of the formula is to then absolutely drill down into the skills, the knowledge and the attitudes of each team member to drive those business objectives so they are absolutely a cog in the engine, moving in the right direction at the right speed. And they absolutely know your expectations within the business. And you can then match your support to ensure that they are delivering their role within those objectives. Interesting. So it, it, it's really, well, one of the things I use is called an ask. So it's a skills gap analysis, but it looks at attitude, skills and knowledge. And if there's any gaps in in those three things, what you do to help fill those gaps with training, coaching, um, mentoring, whatever it might be, to give that individual the absolute ultimate um, input so they can optimize their performance. I so that. I use that, and then you can formulate your training plan for the year for each individual. Um, and that is what drives the business objectives to increase your profit, profitability and, and and the bottom line, drive the bottom line. Brilliant. Well, it's nice that you've got a, a little system because otherwise I think we'd be fumbling around in the dark with a lot of those stuff. So it's interesting to hear you say that. Something else that you, well, you help practices do better in is marketing, if I'm correct. Absolutely. What do us dental practice owners, where do we... Where are we not up to the mark on marketing or where do we, am I right in saying that generally the standard could be better? Yeah, I, I think there's a big shift, as I said, and I think we need to shift our mindsets as well as we're moving forwards. I think a lot of us, um, and, and I was the same, I put my hand up and I had to think outside the box. When I was marketing in the early days, I just thought, saw marketing as something you paid for to drive your brand forwards, something that was going to promote you, that would draw traffic to you. So it was all, for me, it was all about the push and, and pushing marketing out there to bring people in. I think in our new era of authenticity, it's all about generating the pull, not the push, for lots of reasons. I think the first reason is, the coffers of a lot of dental practices are pretty empty at the moment. So there isn't that ready capital to be spending on marketing in the traditional way that we know marketing and probably understand it. So for me, how do we raise our profile and our reputations in the community so people are talking about us to drive new footfall. And I think the way forward is very much a corporate social responsibility model and driving traffic to us that way. It's all about the pull. And I'll, I'll give you an example. One of the things that we used to do, because our practice is very near Hull, which is a port, we've got, we're a bit of a hotspot for mouth cancer. So we did a lot in and around um, 
free oral cancer screening, not just within November when it's Mouth Cancer Action Month, but other times in the year as well. Um, and we used to put editorials in papers. We got on the radio. We got um, we managed to get Calendar TV to come in one year when we were doing our free oral cancer screening campaign. And because we were doing something that was a life-saving measure, we were supporting the Oral Health Foundation at the time, the charity, so it was non-commercial. We drew It drew a lot of attention to what we were doing because there wasn't many people doing it back in the um, 2006. You know, it was something that was a lot of people weren't even thinking about. Um, and for me, I think that absolutely changed our reputation within the community. And I think the public persona very much of dentistry is more a money-making machine. You know, that people see dentists driving around in lovely cars, uh, living in big houses. That was years ago. I think things have changed massively in the dental world. And it is all about the halves and quarters now. So how do we change that public persona and actually really demonstrate our purpose to our communities to drive new traffic to us? And I think, think things like offering free oral cancer screening, doing things um, to support National Smile Month, like going into schools and doing education, make a massive difference. And one year, I think it was the first year that we did the uh, free oral cancer screening, of all the people that came in, and we had to open up a second day because we had so much interest, we got a 60% conversion rate, six zero. Wow. Because what we did was go absolutely to town on promoting it. So we were driving it to as many people as possible. And we actually managed to get on local radio on the news slot at lunchtime. Wow. And they, they, they just did something on the news about what we were doing um, on that partic- on those two particular days. And we, we were just inundated with people. So the next year we started booking appointments because it just got so busy doing that. But I don't know of any other marketing campaign that I ever ran that had such an amazing conversion rate. And the reason I think it was so successful is we we were given an opportunity to show that we were doing something different, that we were offering a life-saving measure that didn't cost them anything. And that then allowed us to get people over the threshold to build a trusting relationship with that person, to show them that our integrity and that we were absolutely authentic about what we were doing. And people like that. So we, we were doing things like showing them how to screen themselves. Um, and there's a brilliant screening video out there that Dr. Dawn Harper did and recorded for the Mount Cancer Foundation. That's in the public domain. We used to give them a link and send them home with it. So they knew how to screen themselves every month for mouth cancer and to, to share it with their family, friends, youngsters. So we were, tr- we were educating the community. And then, you know, National Smile Month, that's another brilliant campaign. We were going to schools and doing little workshops with the kids and leaving little party bags with a practice brochure in it. And okay, we probably lost a morning's worth of revenue, but actually one of the schools we went to was uh, the primary school that my daughters were at at the time. And I'm not joking, within a year or two, nearly every family in that in that primary school were coming to see us and I had to go in and disguise because you know, I just couldn't go anywhere. They all wanted to ask questions. And, and it really, really worked. It, it really changed our reputation and it made us different 
to what other practices were doing. And we were very visible within the community. I was going to say, it must have set you apart because it's not something I've ever come across before. Is that, it's a great idea, actually. I don't yeah. know if that's on anybody else's radar. The power of networking. And you know what? Oh my even, God, yes. Even before you get into the whole business aspect of it, what a nice thing to do to help these people as well. So lots of reasons, win-win, I guess. Really. Absolutely, it was a win-win. And the other thing, talking about marketing, once I built a relationship with a few local radio stations, one was Viking FM, we've got Capital Radio up here in Yorkshire. Um, so it was those radio stations that I was forming relationships with. Whenever there was some current affairs in and around dentistry, they used to ring us up and say, if you've got a dentist that would hop onto an interview or as a manager, would you like to hop into an interview? We were their first port of call. And that, that in itself was free marketing. Yeah, you that's know, amazing. I mean, how much would that cost you normally to get on the radio and promote your services? We were just getting invited eventually. Um, wow. it, yeah. So, I, you know, I would urge anybody just to think a little bit outside the box about how you can change your reputation and your public persona within the community because if you can build that trust and and patient loyalty as well then it will build your business there's no two ways about it and you you will get organic footfall and one thing i would say james is if you are getting patients who are sending word of mouth referrals to you reward those patients in some shape or form because I think as human beings, we all want to feel needed, wanted and appreciated. So if somebody's driving traffic to you and boosting you football, thank them for it. So we used to track our new patient activity. And if it was a word of mouth referral, we used to send a letter to the referring party saying this letter is a thank you, but it also doubles up as a voucher. If you take this voucher to the local deli straight wine shop, which was actually really top end and the kind of place that you'd only go into at Christmas or for a special occasion. Um, and we had an arrangement with the business owner and we chose an array of gifts that were beautifully gift wrapped that cost us no more than £10 because we were getting them at, you know, rock bottom prices because we were driving football into their business. Um, yeah, it would, would have cost possibly cost a patient if they were buying it at a, a retail price, you know, a heck of a lot more that, than that, maybe twice Amazing. as much. I mean, I mean and, 10 pounds for a patient who would be there for a lifetime that's a, that's a good Yeah, that's well, good well what, what ended up happening, James, I had one lady who kept referring people to us, and I sent her 16 letters one year. <laughs> and for 160 pounds, that's all it cost us in, in gifts. Thank you, gifts. She drove over £8,000 worth of revenue to us in that year. That's Again, incredible. it's a no-brainer. Again, and, and win-win again. And as I was saying earlier, the power of networking once more. Amazing. Exactly. That is a really good tip. I think everybody listening will really stand again from that. That is something that I would never have thought of. And something so simple as well. Wow. And can, can I just give you one more of little course. bit? They're as good as the last one. Keep going. We listen all night. That was amazing. Um, One other thing that I found, because I I do a lot of training and my business partner does a lot of training on exemplary customer service, which sort of sits hand in glove with marketing, I I have to say. Um, And I'm really into psychology. 
And had I not done a physiotherapy degree, I think I would have done a psychology degree. But I just love the psychology of marketing and sales and the process that patients go through when they're making a decision to buy or purchase a service or a product. And they one, one of the psychological concepts that I found fascinating and I, I experimented with in our business is a concept called authority. Now, one of the things that I still see it now when I go into businesses is team members trained, let's say, to um, have a very um, knowledgeable conversation with the patient about promoting a care plan to them or something. They'll have a really lengthy conversation or a TCO having a long conversation about the care plan, the benefits, the value that it's going to bring to the patient. And they'll go, oh, thank you for your time. I'll think about it. They then go in and see the dentist. It might not be on the same occasion, but they'll see the dentist. They will give a very short summary of a similar conversation about the same product or service. And the patient goes, oh, yeah, I'll have that. That sounds amazing. And they bought from the dentist, not from the TCO or the, or the front of house team member. Why is that? It's because they put the dentist in a position of authority. So they deem them as more trustworthy, more professional, more knowledgeable, all those things. So how can we convert more sales on the front of house? And that is putting your TCO or your front of house team members in a position of authority. So I always suggest when I'm consulting in businesses that you have your front of house team member suited and booted, because again, psychology shows that if somebody's in a suit, they are deemed to be more professional, trustworthy, all those things as well. And give your front of house team member a business card to hand to the patient when they leave. When somebody gives you a business card, James, how does it make you feel? What do, what do you think about that person? Well, it makes me feel a bit, ooh, you know, they're looking yeah, after me. A, awesome. bit, a bit privileged. How about that? Yeah. And when I'm giving somebody's business card, I think, well, they must know what they're talking about. You know, business card, they, that, that to me, they're a professional person who's, who knows what they're talking about. And I'm going to trust that they know what they're talking about and listen to them because, you know, they've got that credibility. So what I did in my practice, and I now do in other practices that I go into, I had my front of house team members suited and booted, and they all had a business card. So when that patient left, it was leaving that lasting impression as well. It was there, there's my business card. If you've got any questions at all after your treatment today, or you know, if you've got any questions, you've had your exam, we've talked about your treatment options. If you've got any questions about those options, Give me a ring. Here's my business card. I'm at the end of the phone at any moment in time. I mean, leaving those communication channels open, you're leaving that person feeling important because they've walked away with a business card and you're leaving, leaving them thinking that that person is in a position of authority and your conversion rates on reception go like that. Amazing. Again, really, really, really good. Yeah, I mean, you're full of these ideas, I sense. I think you could go on a little bit longer than we've got time for tonight, Nikki. But <laughs> if anyone would yeah, like to get in touch. Stop me now, stop me now, because I'll just talk all night as, long. As much as I'm loving it, I think we could easily make this podcast two hours. But what you said has been great so far. How has COVID, with relevance to all these things, how has COVID changed the game or changed the dynamics? 
insofar as what you would advise these dental practices that you would see from the point of view of sales and teams? Okay, I think once we started going back into practice on the 4th of June post-COVID, I think everybody sort of battened down the hatches a little bit. And because they particularly, this was my experience, practice managers and practice owners didn't always necessarily have open communication with the teams because they weren't um, confident in what they were saying because they didn't have all the answers. But for me, I think it was it, it's about having open and honest conversations with your team and your patients. Again, you don't we didn't have all the answers for our patients, but actually saying, look, this is what we know, this is what we don't know, but we will keep you informed. As soon as we know, we will tell you. And he, keeping those open lines of communication going, because I, I know talking to a lot of friends, um, their dental practices shut the doors and the communication stopped. And they, were, they weren't informed, they weren't kept up to date. And I think communication, whether we have the answers or not, is the key to maintaining that patient loyalty, to keeping your team on board and committed and, and, and just keeping that positive vortex you know, going in your business. Definitely, definitely. So the main one that you can pick out is communication. Absolutely. From, from the whole COVID. Absolutely. Uh, the COVID Thanks. conundrum, I suppose you could call it. When we spoke earlier, you mentioned a few things that you noticed that practices don't do so well. If you were to condense that into a list of Nikki's no-nos, just maybe a top 10 things that you see that you don't like, they really grind oh, your oh. gears... You might have difficulty doing that. It doesn't even have to be 10. Um, <laughs> it doesn't even have to be 10. It just has to be maybe it's just some common one, something like that. Okay. So let's um, talk about front of house to start with. Again, part, part of training the front of house team is teaching them what not to say as well as what to say. And there's... You know, when I observe or I do mystery shopping or whatever it might be, there's certain key phrases that are an absolute no-no for me. And I hear certain phrases said very regularly. And one of them is, you'll have to. You'll have to do this. You'll have to do that. And that could be a front of house team member saying to a patient, oh, you, you'll have to do, you know, you'll have to do this. You'll have to do that. You'll have to brush more regularly because that's what the dentist has, has said that you need to do or you have to do this and for me who who said who used to say that to me you'll have to you'll have to my mother my mum <laughs> and what do you do when you're young particularly when you're a teenager if somebody says you have to do something you run away the, you go the opposite direction the hackles up and you're far less likely to do it so I think for me it's asking questions can I suggest you follow the, the, the dentist's recommendation and buy these interdental brushes or you do this or you consider buying this electric toothbrush or this water pick, whatever it might be. Um, and I think younger people who are in front of house don't tend to articulate quite as well. And if that's with an older person, an older patient, it doesn't always sit well and you can see their bristles go straight up. So I think it's training team members very carefully as to what to say and what not to say not in a prescriptive way but being mindful and aware of what they're saying and how that might impact on a patient so that's definitely a no-no 
Can I just, I'm sure you've got more, but can I just jump in on top of that? Because there's one that I always hear. Now, I know this is your forte, but this is just a personal one that grinds my gears when I hear other people say this. They say cancelled instead of, when they they have a patient who's cancelled and a slot's just opened up, they use the the C word, cancelled. And to me, that has a really negative connotation because that could imply to the patient that this, this... unknown patient whoever they are that's you know permitted this gap to open up because they've cancelled their appointment has left the practice in acrimonious circumstances it certainly leaves it open doesn't it yes it does it's a negative word it's like a negative word with a negative connotation and it almost makes me hairs on the back of my neck stand up or it makes me shudder when i hear that because it just really doesn't ring well as a front of house person particularly with it when it's in a huge room in front of other patients so there's a better word there is the rescheduled world word the reschedule is a much better word if even if the patient has cancelled they they really angry and they've left for some reason you always say they've rescheduled much better word just a lot more professional and that is one that really bothers me personally personally yeah yeah absolutely i'm totally with you on that as well another another thing's just popped into my mind actually another no-no is and, and this is this was my downfall when I was a brand new practice owner and having never managed a team before was actually helping my team too much and making them helpless. So let me give you an example. Um, I would perhaps ask a team member to do a particular job like doing a stop take. And if it was complicated, um, this particular nurse would come to me and say oh this is so complicated I can't do this I can't do this um I haven't got enough time oh you know in the right flap and I'd be like oh we'll leave it there I'll, I'll deal with it then I'll deal with it then and then my intray went up and up and up and the, the things that were important that I should have been doing went to the bottom of the pile that day and I started thinking why on earth am I employing these people because I'm ending up doing all their work. So it made me look at myself internally and that I was being too helpful and I needed to take a firm, fair, consistent approach to my leadership management style and either break things down and and ring fence time for that, that nurse to do that activity or actually look at whether they were capable of doing it. Did they have the right attitude to doing that activity, were they the right person for the job? Did I need to redelegate that to somebody else? So, um, and then I found I had more time back as well. The other thing, another no-no, is having a permanent open door policy. I think having an open door policy is brilliant, but not 100% of the time. Because I then found I had team members knocking on my door every minute of the day, needing a piece of me when there was important things that I needed to be getting on with, maybe calls to patients, if we'd had a complaint, something like that, we all get complaints. Um, Thankfully, it was a rare event in our business, but you need to be able to concentrate and think clearly when you're dealing with a stressful conversation like that. You don't need team members knocking at the door every two minutes of the day. So again, if you are a complaints handler in the business, Put a note on the door, please do not disturb. And actually say to the team, when that note's on the door, I really do need to ring fence that time to do some really important work. So please don't disturb me. 
Um, you know, if you know it's that at a particular day, at a particular time, please ask me and we'll ring fence some time for a conversation at another time. Um, oh, God, I could go on all day, James, about no because I've learned from my mistakes. Um, so, yeah, lots and lots of things. And I think the other thing I would say is to, to really listen to your team. You know, we've got two ears and one mouth. Use them in that proportion. And when your team member comes to you with a problem, actively listen to them. And if you can, listen with empathy. And I talk about the feel, felt, found approach. So it's, it's actually answering them, listening attentively, and then responding with, I understand how you feel. Or I've got a good understanding of how you feel because I felt a similar way in a similar situation. So, you know, I have... I feel it, I, I felt it, but what I found was if I did this, this, and this, and this, I actually could cope with that issue and I managed to overcome that, that hurdle. So can I suggest that you do put these measures in place and see if it works for you as well? It's always about like putting yourself in your team member's shoes and then that bond between you, you and your team member, wow, watch that bond grow, honestly. It, it's amazing and the trust and you need that trust. That's the foundations of your practice. It absolutely is. We've heard Nikki's no-nos, and I thought they were great. Now we're going to hear Nikki's top tips. The fl- oh, my God. The, f- the, fl- right, okay. the flip side of the no-nos, because we want to end on a high. Nikki, what are your top tips okay. that people can implement, maybe even as soon as tomorrow, to improve their practice? Okay. I would always say, don't get in a car and drive without setting that now. And it's the same in business. It's the same in business. I see so many practices that just, they just are operational. They are that vehicle that goes round in a circle like that because they haven't got a destination in mind. They haven't planned where to go. So my top tip is to plan your destination, whatever that is. And when we set up our business in 2005, we had an exit strategy for 2015. We wanted to run that practice for 10 years and, and then move on. And that's exactly what we did because we planned where we wanted to go and we worked back from that point and put all our ducks in a row and we measured our activity. We audited what we did. We made sure that we'd got, you know, got to our pit stops at the right point. And it sounds very prescriptive, but we planned it all out. But also, if you then have, if you go on a little bit of a detour, when something goes wrong, as in you get COVID thrown at you, when you come out at the other side, you pick up with your objectives, with, with your, your planning as to where you want it to be. And it brings you back heading in the right direction on the right road to recovery again as well. Always good to be the man or the woman with a plan, as they say. Absolutely. Nikki, you are, must be a fantastically busy lady because you run two businesses. How do you help dental practices implement what you've just said? You physically come into the practice, I'm presuming, or maybe in this day and age you do Zoom calls? I yeah. don't know. Over to you. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So the, the practices made perfect side of, of the business is more the consultancy side. So pre-COVID, I was going into to practices to help with business strategies. Um, I would do full compliance setups for businesses, um, compliance health checks, they like mock inspections, in-house training, team building, 
all sorts of things, whatever the practice needs in-house. And myself and Andy come in and we'll do a fact find. So we will absolutely drill down into the needs of the business and help to fill those gaps. And I have to say, Andy and I are not the oracle. We do not know everything about running a business. We're not the experts in everything. But as I said at the beginning, I'm very fortunate to be very well connected. And I will always know somebody who I can recommend to come in and help support with something that we can't help with. So that's practice made perfect. The other side of the business, which is the Exceptional Leadership Academy or ELA, it's a digital platform, training platform. So we've set this up across COVID and our first big program that we've we've developed on ELA is, is our business recovery certificate. And we call it the five R's of recovery. And it's seven hours of verifiable CPD. And it literally hand-holds you through the steps that you need to take to get your, your car back on the road, heading towards success again. So we teach you to regroup your team, to resolve issues in the business, to rebuild your business, to retrain your team, to meet the new objectives and build resilience and sustainability in your business moving forward. So if anybody wants any more information about that particular recovery package, uh, give me a shout. Yeah, and the the other thing with ELA is it's going to be a bit of a a box of chocolates, high-quality box of chocolates, because we are liaising with other experts, consultants in the dental world who will be putting their content on the platform as well. So it's it's the non-profit making um, element of our business, but we just want it to be a place of excellence that the dental world can come to and trust that when they want training in leadership, management, compliance, whatever it might be, that is going to be the top notch, the best training that you can possibly um, access because we're getting the best of the best to put their content on the site. So feel free to get in touch with Nikki if anything that we spoke of tonight sounds of interest to you. She is tagged on the post for the podcast. Nikki Rowland on Facebook if you're interested as well. I'd just like to say thanks a bunch to Nikki for taking the time to talk to us tonight and for delivering so much value. Nikki, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much, James. It's been great. Um, it's been Lovely to join you and feel very honoured to be invited. Thank you. I think we're scratching the surface of Nikki's anecdotes of practice (laughs) tales and information just there because we could have went on a lot longer. I think an hour is long enough for a podcast. It was definitely an entertaining hour. So as I say, thanks once again, Nikki. We're going to wrap up now. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show and I hope to see you once again very soon. Oh, thank you so much, James. You're welcome, Nikki. You're very welcome. Bye -bye. Bye. Hi, thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.